Welcome to Humans of Twitter, a podcast where we discover the stories behind the people behind the Twitter accounts. People that are interesting, opinionated and surprising. I'm your host, Steve Malkin. Today I'm speaking with someone who describes themselves as Sri Lankan-born Aussie Hyuk Hyuk Maker. <laughs> New stand-up comedy show, Sri Wanka, on sale now. Humans of Twitter is their stories in their words in a little more than 140 characters. Please welcome today's edition to the Humans of Twitter list, Duruk Jai Singer. Hello, hello. Yeah. It's always interesting when you read out the bio uh, out loud and mm. it makes less sense somehow. <laughs> <laughs> it's like when I look at it as a written thing, it was like, oh, that's a bit silly. It's got mm. the word yak yak in it. But out loud, I'm like, oh, that sounds really stupid. <laughs> you make me want to now reassess my bio. <laughs> Look, if nothing else, Humans of Twitter has prompted many bio reassessments. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At one point, I think I said something like I was the creator of Barofi, which is this uh, combination of Barocca and coffee that okay. I made during uni when I needed to cram for exams. Mm. And, you know, it was just, again, some silliness. And I went, no one knows what that is. It's just confusing. <laughs> yes. It's just so stupid. Just get rid of it. But, yeah, it's good to... Get some perspective. <laughs> <laughs> Duroc, in social situations, mm. how do you introduce yourself? Uh, as in, like, at a party or something yeah, like yeah. that? Yeah, I would say, uh, I think I'd start with Dil. Mm-hmm. I think I make it easy as possible by introducing myself as Dil rather than Dil Rook, even though Dil Rook is my first name. It's um, sort of, you know, avoids the second question, going Dil what? You know? <laughs> but uh, if it's in a comedy sort of setup, I try and do Dil Rook, I try and push the Full name properly. Branding. But yeah, kind of. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, but also, it's, it is my name. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I always describe it as being like, you know, from Dilruk to Dil is kind of like, uh, you know, Thomas to Tom. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, Thomas is the name, but Tom is what your mates call you. Yeah. Or David to Dave. You know what I mean? So, uh, so you know, Dil is probably how I'd introduce myself. I wouldn't go further into what I do uh, straight away unless I get asked. You sure. Know? You know, but generally I'd say, hey, Dil. I wouldn't say Dil from Sri Lanka now in Australia <laughs> to, you know, New Shore Sri Lanka. <laughs> I wouldn't say that at a party. Which I have to say is an excellent uh, show title. Oh, thanks, man. That yeah, is a it was, cracker. Yeah, thank you. It seems to be getting a good response by whenever I sort of plug it at the end of a stand-up set, mm. uh, people sort of giggle at that title itself, which is sort of winning the first battle, <laughs> you know, if they're not going to laugh at the title, maybe there's potential for them to go, oh, well, the title was funny, let's go see his full show, because the challenge is being sort of a relatively new comedian, mm. you're trying to, you know, convince people who don't know you to take a punt on you, you know, because, um, you know, there's so many great options out there for any festival show at any given time. There's guaranteed a, a draw card, like a, a TV personality. Sure. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, and the price difference between a TV personality and me wouldn't be that different. Mm. Like, so as a punter, you go, well, I could go see this completely unknown person that I could be a waste of one hour, mm. or I can pay like 15 bucks extra to go see someone I know is yep. reputable, you know, reputed, reputable, whatever that word is, but someone, I, someone who uh, is reliable. Yes. You know, uh, so in that sense, it's kind of important for me as a new comic to try and, you know, get them excited about the show from the get go. So I think Sri Lanka is sort of is getting that job done. Having said that, though, I do feel a bit worried that some people might think get the wrong idea about the show because mm. uh, it sounds like I'm slagging off the country, which at all, which nah. it completely isn't. Oh, some people thought it might be that really? it's like a an attack on the country. I'm like, no, 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 no. It's just the fact that I'm a Sri Lankan and I'm a wanker. If you were, <laughs> well, I'm not a wanker, but the wanker <laughs> stories that I have, like it's about the the show is about the, all the dumb shit I've done over mm. the last twelve years in Australia, and you know, 
as you know, a Sri Lankan-born person. It's interesting that you refer to yourself still as a new comedian now, mm. uh, uh, because I reflect on how I came to know who you oh, were yeah, okay, yeah. through a bunch of different podcasts yep. um, uh, and being... Uh, somewhat a student of the comedy circuit, right. you know, keeping an eye on people who not only are coming up and, and getting spots and doing things, but also who um, some of the more reputable, shall we say, people, I'll yeah. oh, keep an eye on this person or, hey, this person's uh, a star in the making and, and all of that right. sort of stuff. How long have you been doing comedy in uh, Australia? It's five years now, so... And that's still a new comedian? I would say you're a new comic until you're like 10 years in. I wow. Feel, in my opinion, at least, because, uh, you know, it's like I've I mean, for me, I feel like I'm only about four or five percent of where I want to be. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's just such a long, hard slog that, uh, you know, I, I don't really. Yeah. I've heard multiple people talk like veteran comics talk about that idea of, you know. It's like till you're 15 years in, that's mm. kind of when you really start to understand Gosh. your voice. And yeah, see, and, and that could be daunting to some people and like sort of a deterrent. But to me, it's kind of exciting in the sense that I'm like, you go, well, five years in and I've still more, 10 years more to go, which sounds scary. But the reality is I'm like, oh man, I can't believe I, you know, I have 10 years to, to improve. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's like, you're not almost like someone said something along the lines. I think it might've been Louis CK or someone like that on a podcast saying like, you know, that you don't really know your voice until you've really sort of done those shit, like, you know, every possible gig mm. potentially over and over again. And, and to me, it's an exciting prospect that I don't need to feel too stressed about where my voice is for, like, another 10 years. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and if you, look, if you look around, like, when you think of the more established acts, you know, uh, the, you know the, the Will Anderson, Gleason, that mm. sort of era, that's all 20 years plus, you know? Yes. Whereas, say, the tier below that would be, like, your, you know, Celia and Tommy Little and, mm. and, and um, Celia Pocola, that is, and Dave Thorne. Like, they're about, you know, 10, 12 years in. So, you yeah. know, you, so even them, they're sort of just... And they're considered in the mainstream as the newcomers. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So I feel like those guys are the, the fresh blood coming through the grander comedy scene, whereas within the, the niche comedy nerd uh, world, you know, they're a bit more established. Does that make sense? No, no, it does. Yeah. And, and I guess to the same end you look at, there's, from an Australian platform mm-hmm. perspective, there's people like your Demi Lardners and Becky Lucases mm-hmm. who are not yet at five years in comedy, who are yeah. starting to, to, well, to cut Demi's in as well. I think Demi's actually a lot... I think Demi started before me. Really? Yeah, yeah. I've totally besmirched her character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, she started quite young. I'm not sure... I apologise for the time. No, 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 no. I think she might have been yeah, just about a year or two before me, maybe something like that. I'm not sure. Yeah. You're going to have to check with her when you get a chance to speak to her. But, um, but yeah, yeah, we sort of, and that's, you know, again, a different scene. I think Becky was a Brisbane-based yes. comic. Uh, Debbie is Adelaide-based. So maybe that's a sense of, you know, kind of operating in a little bit of a smaller scene and then kind of exploding on the Melbourne scene, yeah, yeah. you know, the festivals or whatever. And Melbourne know. still really is the... the for lack of a better phrase, spiritual home of Australian comedy, isn't it? Yeah, I think because of the festival it is. Mm. It's hard not to be. Like, you sort of think about, um, like, the comedy, Melbourne Comedy Festival is probably what, what's, like, the third biggest arts festival or the, one of the biggest, uh, something wrong. like that. And, um, well, it, let's say it is. 
Yeah, I think Edinburgh is the biggest. Yes. And maybe it's a fight between Melbourne and Montreal, I'm not sure. Screw those but, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Screw the screw the Quebecs. Um but um but yeah, so obviously, you know, because of the festival it's get it gets flooded with all these great international acts, all the mm. great acts around the country and you know, so many up and comers. It's like a great place to showcase yourself. So in that sense, Melbourne does have that sort of comedy spiritual home version but having said that like you got so many great scenes like you look at the the um i mean sydney's obviously got yep. a great great bunch of uh, comics coming through there and and adelaide adelaide has a very nice sort of a bit of a um, uh how do you say I don't want to say family vibe. Maybe family vibe. There's a lot of camaraderie there because it's mm. a relatively smaller scene. You kind of you're forced to interact with each other all the time, and yeah. there, there's a lot more, you know, let's help each other out kind of vibe in Adelaide. You know, because there's just so, so few of them. At least this is what I saw from an outsider's perspective. It might be a fucking nightmare. I don't know, <laughs> but it, just from what I saw is, you know, when I when I was over there for about two weeks ago doing the run of gigs there, and you know, everyone's just sort of you know catches up, hangs mm. out afterwards, and there's. You know, everyone knows each other. It's, it's kind of like a nicer vibe. Whereas Wait. Melbourne's just so... F- we have so many comedians. Yeah. It kind of, you know, it's hard to just get a core group together. Well, in, in the comedy calendar, mm. Adelaide, particularly the Fringe Festival, yeah. that really is the first big gig of the year, isn't it? And everybody so. is there really giving their first tilted shows. So yeah. there's a lot of vulnerability within the, com- the the comedic community at that point. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's funny. The Adelaide Fringe uh, seems to break a lot of people. I uh, <laughs> I personally haven't done a Fringe Festival show at Adelaide yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's because of that very reason is I don't have – I don't think I have a big enough profile to justify, you know, a, a show there yet. Mm. Like I think I have the content. I know I've done like – this will the one in Melbourne. What I'm doing, Sri Lanka, will be my third comedy festival, full festival show, full yeah. hour. So, in terms of doing a new show in Adelaide, I know I've got the content, but I just know that unless I position myself correctly at the right venue at the right time, it's going to be a tough sell. So, I've avoided because in the last few years I haven't got a good venue, mm. so I just keep saying no until I feel like it's mm-hmm. going to work. Because sure, because it's just it's a it's a hard slog, you know. There again, the same reason as I said before, um, you know, people are fighting against uh, higher profile comics who mm. you know might might, yeah. uh, and, and it's almost fair. Like I almost feel like, you know, it's not cheap to go out and see a show. You know, like it's it's uh, that whole idea of, you know, if it's a couple coming out, you know, they have to, say, try and find time for a babysitter. They've got to find parking. They're probably going to get dinner Mm. while they're there. All that, like, you know, it's quite a quite a big expense. So to convince them to take a punt on you, an unknown, a complete unknown, without any kind of buzz around it. Yep. It's it's it doesn't make much sense. Doesn't make you know what I mean? Like so whereas um, so the Adelaide Fringe is good from a from a comedy nerd point of view for me mm. because I love, I absolutely love stand-up comedy. I love going there. I still go there at least for the last two weekends. I watch all the shows in its early forms mm. and, you know, uh, and then I like to see then how it kind of transforms in, at the Melbourne Comedy Festival later. Yeah. So I find that quite an interesting little exercise. The, the birth to maturity journey yeah. of some comedy shows. Totally, totally. And it's sort of, it's kind of inspiring as well to see how um, a professional might have what is it's not it's just unfair to say half baked it's not half baked it's just the the sort of the unpolished yes. show but yet from a layman's point of view it's as good as any other show can be mm. like you know what i mean like it's it's it, it, 
a comic who's capable of an A plus show will deliver uh, an A show. And from a comedy nerd, I'm like, I oh, know this is not as good as it's going to be. Yes. And I can pick it or whatever, and then I'll go see the final show. I'm like, yeah, of course, that's how great it is. But from the average punter's point of view, it's like, yeah, it's fucking fine. Great show, had it's a, a laugh. It's a great show. Great show, had a good time, and, you know, want to come back and see them again. Was, was it your comedy nerddom mm-hmm. that tipped you over the edge when you were sort of, oh, do I, don't I do this comedy thing? Oh, yeah, totally. Um, I've, 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 for me, my start was, well, the first time I saw stand-up was Eddie Murphy's Delirious, as mm. most comics, I think. Uh, there's a lot of people who say that that's the first time they kind of fell in love with stand-up or wanted to do stand-up. I was 11 when I saw it. Wow, yeah, 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 yeah. And as back in Sri Lanka, that was the, like, the only uh, bit of stand-up I'd been exposed to, this VHS tape wow. that I had to smuggle. My, my brother and I had to watch in secret so that mom doesn't see. And, um, you know, then we got a hold of Raw, Eddie Murphy's mm-hmm. Raw again, saw that, and was like, oh, my God, that's also amazing. And, and you know, just had this really wanted to do it for so many years. And then, you know, there's no comedy scene in Sri Lanka as such. There's, you know, like there's a lot of satirical plays and mm. sort of like broader kind of comedy, but there's no stand-up. Um, so then when I left when I was 19 to Australia, the first couple of years I didn't really realise. Like, I knew the festival was on. I didn't really quite go to see it mm. um, and I remember in 2006 was the first time I actually bought a ticket to go see a festival show Nice. and it was two tickets two shows I went and saw Dave Hughes and then immediately after saw Will Anderson Wow. and uh, and I was like oh man this is this is pretty rad like I remember and, and this always sounds like a bit of an insult and I don't mean it that way like up until then I'd seen oh by the way in between the, those years I we got Jay Leno and Conan and so we'd see stand-ups mm. perform yes. there so I got a bit more of an idea it wasn't and this so, massive gap between yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, I think I saw Chris Rock's um, uh, Bigger and Blacker as well, maybe. Mm-hmm. Eddie, definitely it is Izzard's uh, Dress to Kill. We got a VHS tape of that, and right. my brother and I watched it over and over again. Like, so we kind of obsessed over it. And um, and then, yeah, when I saw Will, uh, Will Anderson's show, I remember thinking, oh, that's the first time I'm seeing a stand-up who's not a larger-than-life character necessarily. Like, when you think of Eddie Murphy, mm-hmm. it's filled with all these voices and character-based humour. And same with Eddie Izzard, he was kind of a, such a distinctive personality. Yes. And same with Husey, you know? Whereas with Will, I was like, oh, this guy's funny because of the things he's saying yep. rather than the way he's saying it necessarily. You know what I mean? Not to diminish, yeah, just no, different style. Yeah, not to diminish the, yeah. the performance aspect of it, but I was just like, oh, I didn't realise you could be a professional stand-up comedian just by saying funny things mm-hmm. rather than perform. You know what I mean? At least yeah. from my point of view, I was like, oh, well, he's just saying funny things and people are losing their shit. And that was for me going, oh, maybe I can do that. Because it sounds insulting that I said, I saw Will Anderson and thought, oh, maybe I can do that. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I don't, don't know mean... if it's insulting. It's, I think it would be insulting if you said, I can do better than that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right. Yeah, that's true. Maybe that's right. Yeah, no, but in that sense, it's just going, seeing him made me think, oh, maybe there's a chance for me. Because I never was good at characters and stuff, mm. you know? Uh, and then kind of just buried it, to be honest. Like, again, yeah. just had that... Like, we were still always there, the seed, like, just wanting to do it so badly, but I think it was a fear of failure that uh, I didn't want to attempt it because I think... It, I, I knew if I tried it... Because at uni, there were these campus comedy competitions yeah. and things like that. I believe people like uh, Sammy J... I, was, I went to Melbourne Uni and Sammy J had done it. Uh, Ronnie Chang, I yeah. think his first gig was campus comedy. Well, what's he ever amounted yeah, to? Both of them. Like, what are they doing? You rubbish. know what I mean? Just rubbish. But... Uh, the I think I never wanted to try because I was scared that if it went poor pear shaped, it's like the end of the dream. Mm. Like up until then, it was this potential of what yeah, it could yeah, be yeah. if I did stand up. Whereas if I tried it and I was shit at it, then I was like, well, you know, 
I've found out that I'm not good at it. Oh, crushing right, right, reality. Crushing, crushing reality, right? But so I kind of buried that thing and I started working in an accounting firm. Uh, long story short, I, I started working in accounting. Um, uh, it was at one of the big four firms, you know, mm-hmm. like so the, the dream job. That was the reason why yeah, I came yeah. to Australia. The, the reason to come was to get a job in accounting and then work in one of the big four firms. And I got it. And within a week, I hated it. Like within a week, I was like, I can't believe this is going to be the rest of my life. This is <laughs> 40, four decades minimum is going to be, this is going to be it. And everyone's like, oh, no, it's tough at the start. But when the more you move up the ladder, the easier it gets. And I was like, I still don't want to be the topmost position. Like, why am I struggling now? And then thankfully, they fired me. And then, and then <laughs> which is, you know, like, well, I say fired, but the reality is like, there was a six-month probation period sure. in extent, but firing sounds more dramatic and uh, exciting. But at that, in, and and when I, and it was one of the most amicable firings ever. Like it was just like when they took me to this big meeting, it was like we were like joking and laughing because they knew I knew. Like literally, one of the bosses said, um, "You know, we we kind of wanted to keep you around because of how much fun you are." <laughs> <laughs> Which is quite fascinating when you think about the idea of a professional accounting firm wanting to keep someone just because they're good on morale or whatever. You can't fight Dill, he's the fun guy. Yeah, 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 kind of. That's what. And, but he said, he's like, but look, to be honest, you'd be continuing to do something you're not suited for for mm. longer than you should. Which I thought was a bit insulting going, because I was still so f- focused on this idea that accounting is kind of what I should be doing. Yep. You know? It's a career option. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, whoa, I know, that's a bit insulting. This is what I've built in my entire life towards this, this kind of career. Mm. You know, everything I did up until the point was to get that type of job and then I sort of was feeling so happy about not being an accountant anymore rather that idea that maybe this is not for me it was like that sweet release of like of years of convincing yourself you said you're one way and then realizing you're not at all like there was like a sense of like I I mean I don't want to diminish that moment but it's kind of like coming out you know when you sort of the whole your entire life you thought you're meant to be a certain way and that's where you're struggling to fit in and then all of a sudden you realize no that's not me at all I'm this version you know Mm. and uh, and I kind of you know started thinking well I did the accounting thing purely for the money that was all like to that point where towards the end of the job I was going in there at about 7.38 in the morning leaving at 9 o'clock at night just having to go home and study more tax accounting like it was really like I'd walk into the office and feel vomitish like that's how much of a visceral mm. reaction I'd have to how much I hated that job so when I stopped to think and go well I did that all for the money what if I reverse engineered it like have you seen the movie Office Space yes there's a, there's a moment where they ask the guy like if you had all the money in the world what would you do like a thought exercise being that mm. you know what, what drives you what motivates you intrinsically rather than money you know and for me the answer was straight away was stand up comedy I was yeah. like okay well that's, that's all I'm going to do um, then I drank for a whole year, I, um, <laughs> but like a good drink in the sense that it's not like a like it was more like oh my god I'm celebrating life again because yeah. I'm not an accountant. Just like almost two days later, I was like just popped the cork and just partied for. An, I, I don't think I was sober for you know a good nine months or something like that. <laughs> I just kind of really let loose, uh, which I kind of felt like I needed because of how bad those six months were. I just needed to get it out of my system again. Sure. And then, you know, I'd mentioned the stand-up thing to my brother and sort of, you know, about nine, ten months in, like, he goes, hey, what about that idea you said you wanted to try stand-up? When, when, when are you going to do that? Mm. I was like, oh, yeah, all right. And then, you know, September 21st, 2010, I finally locked in a date and did my first five-minute set. Wow. And uh, it was terrible. I bombed really bad. Oh, didn't bomb, but it was not a good gig. It yeah. was like, in my head, I'm like, okay, this is, I'm going to come out, I'm going to smash it so hard that they just straight away give me a TV deal. Yeah. And that kind of, you know, I was like, I'm going to kill this. And it, would, it didn't go well. It's close to a bomb, but not quite a bomb. But I remember thinking, wow, 
that sucked, yet I absolutely loved it. Like, I loved... That was the first time I think I did anything that the final result was just a bonus. Everything up to that was just so interesting to me. And so, like, you know, again, like yeah, I just yeah. loved the whole process. And the performance was just... Uh, it was extra that I've never felt anything like I've never done anything that I cared about the process as much. So I thought, man, that sucked and I still love it. Imagine if you got good at it, (laughs) you know, like that was my thing going, Oh, imagine if actually became good, how much would you enjoy it? Yeah. So almost the next day, I reckon. So this was a Tuesday, I remember September 21st, 2010, uh, maybe the Wednesday or whatever. I, I started working for a small accounting firm, Mm -hmm. a smaller one, the ones I used to work for before I worked for the big one. And, um, on the on the Wednesday, when I told my boss, "Hey, uh, look, I'm going to start doing comedy, so I'm going to need one day off a week." <laughs> no, nice. yeah, yeah, yeah. After one bomb, I was like, I was convinced that this, like, this is what I mean. Like, I just knew this is all I want to do now, and my boss couldn't understand why I'd take a a day off to do something. Like he, in his words, so you want to take a a day's pay off to do something that doesn't pay money at all. And I was like, yep, it's in my head, it was like an apprenticeship that I kind of mm. had to like, you know, because I wanted to at least commit one day a week to this thing, you know, just go to myself. Okay. You know, it's hard. You, you can't just stop, yeah. you know, stand up doesn't, there's no coin in stand up for quite a while, but I still knew that I wanted to con- like get into that mode of this is, I'm a comedian now, yes. you know what I mean? Not announcing it. Like some people do, some people do one gig and set up their Facebook fan page and, <laughs> and you know, yes. website and stuff. And it's glorious, you know, but but, and I, you know, I kind of do love that blind delusion as well. But at the same time, it just in my head, I knew that's all I was. Like, I stopped being... I remember my first gig, I referred to myself as a accountant, wannabe stand-up comic. And then the next gig I did, I was like, uh, you know, stand-up comic who does part-time accounting. Like, in my head, it yes. switched straight away. Um, and, uh, yeah, I kind of just, just gave it my all from that point of view. I kind of went, well... Well, what it, it's one thing to feel like you want to be a comic or whatever, mm-hmm. but what would a comedian do? That's another whole story. So I was like, well, a comedian would be at a gig every night, you know? So even if I wasn't booked, I would just be at a comedy club just yeah. watching everyone, just almost like craving that stage time really badly and just kind of went wholeheartedly. And, and soaking up yeah. lo- in the process a lot of different styles. Oh, absolutely. Um, and, and seeing how different people dealt with crowd work, how different mm. people did hecklers how different people dealt with when they were bombing you know that's it that's it it's crazy i find it really interesting how some comics um don't they'll do this new comics i'm this is this is to referring to open micers or you know relatively new comics uh who do their spot and then go home it kind of blows my mind because i'm like why wouldn't you want to stick around and see how the headliner deals in the same, mm. like you're essentially playing on the same ground as uh, they're playing on the same ground as you did. Why wouldn't you want to see how they perform? You know, there's so much more to be learned from that. You know, the yeah. fact that you're just in the same environment now. And it blows my mind that some of them would just go out and, you know, just chat to their mates outside having cigarettes. And I'm like, ah, well, for me, it just felt like this is such a good, good moment to learn more things, you know? Yeah. And it's also that I, I don't know, I'm, I'm sort of trying to figure out this in my head you know that idea of with languages right the more you are immersed in a language yes the more fluid it becomes like you can study it in books and you know at classes or whatever but if you're actually in the country you tend to use it a lot more and therefore mm. you become more fluent in it i feel there's a, some sort of truth to that with comedy as well like the more you're in amongst it like even hearing the rhythm of someone like i know people have different styles of comedy but that that version of you know a plus b equals c or what not mm. not, not not necessarily formulaically but 
I, I can't help but think it helps. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? The more you're around it, the more you're around the sound of laughter or what laughter yes. should sound or the, what someone killing should sound, no matter what the rhythm that they're going with, it's got to help. Do well, you know there's, what I mean? a, there's a metre to it, isn't it? And, and everyone has their own style, but you can hear when they've, they've lined up and right here, so here's my setup, here's yeah. gag one, yeah, laugh, yeah, yeah. gag two, build on that laugh because we've built on this, through to the really big laugh yeah. in this sequence. It can be... Yeah, intoxicating. It, 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 yeah, well, it's just it, it's everyone has their different rhythm, but I just feel like it's a shame to not. I don't know. For me personally, I was being a comedy fan, like really, really in love with comedy, to now be able to go into comedy clubs for free every night was yeah. just a dream. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So, so when you to answer your original question, which was twenty minutes ago, <laughs> about did the comedy nerd um, like kind of help me get into it? Absolutely, because of that, because it meant that. I just because I to date I still love it so much that it. What comes easy for me is not performing or writing or anything like that. It's just that that commitment. That's mm. the thing that comes easy to me. Like I definitely don't. I remember when I started out because I was not very. I wasn't good at it at all. Um, I knew I wasn't like the best writer or the best performer. But the one thing I had that none of the other people that I started with had was just pure. And like unfuckable commitment that this is all I'm going to do with yeah. well, do with my life. Like that's it. Like for me, everything became secondary, and that's all. That's the only thing that kind of I had as an advantage. So whenever there'd be an option to, you know, do five minutes in a take a, you know, one hour train ride to do five minutes for free, yeah. or stay at home and hang out with mates or whatever, I choose the five minutes. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah, that, yeah. that was me going. Nope, that's here's another chance for me to learn, and I would just do it. So, and I think that wouldn't have come if I didn't love comedy as much as I did mm-hmm. and also if I didn't hate my day job as much as I did. <laughs> I think those two contributing factors. Because when you know that the, that the plan B sucks, mm-hmm. you just want to give everything you can to plan A. Yeah, you hear lots of different performers talk about if you really want to make it, yeah. that you have to not have that plan B. You need to yeah. not have that backstop. Yeah, plan B distracts you from plan A. I've heard that quite a bit. And that's, you know, it, I think that's true. And it becomes harder the more um, commitments you have. Like, you know, I was lucky that I, you know, I'm a single guy with no family or anything mm. like that. Well, obviously, if you have, you know, kids and stuff, you're going to have to try and find a way to to service that day job as yeah. much as you can to get to, and, you know, and then ho- hopefully eventually make the conversion. But uh, But if not, I just find it... Yeah, the plan B idea is kind of it, it. It can hold you back. I think, I think because you know you'll you'll it's easier. Mm. Like plan B is actually. I mean, yeah. fuck, man. Like comedy, trying to build a career in stand-up comedy is just so fucking thankless at the start. Like the amount of shit gigs you have to do, the amount of um, unpaid gigs. You know, mm. it's it's real. It's a real kicking balls. I hear that. But if you love it, it. It's almost like, like I always, what I said was my worst day in comedy is always better than my best day in accounting. <laughs> yeah. You know? So for me, it's, again, it's easy for me to commit to this career because of how much, because of my background, do you know? What was it like to come out comedically mm-hmm. to your parents? Yeah, it was, it was nice. And I, I remember, actually, I used to do a whole bit about that, like the idea of coming out and telling them, oh, look, I don't think accounting's for me. Uh, it was quite a nice release. It was funny. Um, the f- Dad was super supportive. Like, you know, Dad's the one who spent 
all like a fucking fortune on to send me over to get a yeah, degree yeah, yeah. in accounting and the whole you know university and all that. So when I told him that I want to do comedy, he was like, "Oh, great, good on you!" Like, well done, because you know you've been always been funny or whatever. You yeah. know, I'm sure you're going to be great at it. And you know, he. It might have been like two, three months later. He he asked me again. Goes, oh, by the way, what's happening with you know your accounting job? Have you started looking for another? Because after I got fired from the big one, he's like assuming that I was going to yeah. start looking. I'm like, oh no, no. Do you remember that whole comedy chat we had? He goes, but you meant that as a hobby, right? I was like, <laughs> no, no. I'm taking a day off and everything. Remember, like that's this is all I want to do. And it that kind of took him by surprise because I think he genuinely thought that oh this was just going to be a side project while I mm. you know continued the accounting dream and and he wasn't completely comfortable with it that day but I think it took him only like 24 hours the next day he was like look you know I support you fully go for it I'm sure he didn't want to yes like I think he had to force the support like mm. he because he to be fair from his point of view this is such a strange thing especially for like someone from Sri Lanka mm. like you know what I mean like uh, and he's someone who comes from a generation that you know you do you work that's that's what yep. you do you you finish school you start a job you get a family you put them through school and then they do the whole thing like it's like mm. it's like that's the cycle you know and 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 I think I've heard Mark Maron say this that at the end of the day parents just want to know that you're going to be okay when they're gone and from him's point of view he couldn't see how this was going to make mm. me okay you know, and also there was that thing of like, because I was like, I was a really good student. Like, I used to be yeah. really studious, and and he kind of thought, is it just pissing away all those you know years of education into into this? But he didn't full see the full picture for me, which was that that how unhappy I was doing that other thing. You know what I mean? Like mm. that that took him maybe like a few <laughs> few days to realize, <laughs> yeah. no, no, this this is what makes me truly happy. And, you know, he forced himself to see, be supportive the first couple of uh, months or years maybe. But then somewhere in my second year, he was over in Australia uh, with mum. My mum uh, is supportive but doesn't quite get it. Like, it's yep. just something just far removed. Like, she's a very sweet, conservative Muslim woman. Mm. And even the idea of me swearing, like, is just like, you know. Dilruk, we have to talk, yeah. No, 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 no. She lets me do it. She just doesn't want to see it. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's just, yeah. oh, I can't deal with it. Like, she watches me, uh, my videos, my stand-up videos, what I send to them. She watches it on mute because she's excited to see me perform, but she doesn't want to hear what I have to say. <laughs> 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 you sent your mum some moving pictures. Yeah, 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 yeah. She's just she's very excited to see how you know. Once I remember, there was one particular set that I forgot that I make the jerking off gesture. Mm. So that somehow you couldn't unmute that. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but with dad, he um, he came to so mum and dad came to one gig and I did like all my filthy stuff just to sort of rip the bandit off. And they're mm. like, oh, that was. Mum said, you know, you look like you're happy, so I'm happy for you. <laughs> yeah. I don't like all the swearing, Dilruk, but no, no, no. She didn't even say that. She just kind of you know yeah. just let me do my thing, but she just doesn't that's have to awesome. like it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then with dad, he was like, oh, cool. And then he kind of came to almost like every gig that I was doing while I was in town. Yes. And there was one particular gig I was hosting the Tuesday night at the Comics Lounge. And he kind of saw more that, that I had more. That, that, that was, he saw potential in a career. Like, because MCing, I think, might have had more to do with crowd work, like dealing with a bigger crowd and sort of being in control. Something about that gig, he had gone and told mom, oh, I think he's actually really good at this. And, you know, yeah. So I kind of got a bit excited. So that was about two and two years 
uh, into comedy at that point. And uh, he... Um, yeah, and since then he's been like incredible. Like since then, it's pretty much he's almost the first person to email me about That's gigs great. and stuff. Going, hey, how's Brisbane going or whatever? Yeah, yeah. Like just know what what I'm in in Adelaide, and you know he knows characters from the scene like Carl Chandler and Steel Saunders <laughs> and stuff like that. You know what I mean? So so he's extremely supportive now, and he's very like he's very excited to show his friends. Like whenever I have like a weird little sketch or whatever I do online, he's yep. you know he has a group of male um, uh, high school friends or whatever his friendship group. He'll send the email to him. I was like, I see what my son's doing, you know, yeah. kind of thing. So he's he's okay with the crassness and stuff like that. Uh, so it's kind of nice to know that I have their support. But it's also that weird thing where you look at all the a lot of the great comics. They always had a struggle with their mm. parents and stuff. And I'm like, oh man, like, does that mean I'm not going to be a great comic because I, <laughs> I have nice nurturing parents who There's really no conflict? Yeah, yeah, they're really backing me, and you know, they're they're really supportive of me. And I'm like, bugger, I'm never going to be a great artist. <laughs> <laughs> have you had the chance to perform? Back in Sri Lanka? Not yet, no. I mean, uh, look, I had the chance for sure. There have been a bunch, bunch of people have asked me to, uh, they want to like produce the, a show over there. And uh, I'm very scared about that. Like, I, it's a definite, absolute dream of mine. Mm. I want to do it. But uh, but I'm very scared to, to go in yet. Mm. Because, again, you know, from the outside perspective, yes, I'm, you know, this is what I do now. And, you know, yes. Um, but, but the reality is I still know the variables that are different from here to mm. Sri Lanka. Like, you know, the stuff I get away with here or the sets that I do here won't necessarily go down well there. Mm-hmm. For If nothing else, the context changes. You know, here I'm, um, I'm in Australia when there's a full lineup of, you know, white male straight guys yes. and then there's me so I, there is a different point of difference already whereas back home in Sri Lanka it'll be, oh, you're just one of us. Mm. So there's no fish out of water uh, situation that I might rely on while I'm over here. Yeah, you know, so everything changes. You know, it's uh, my uh, the, even the swearing, for example. Um, mm-hmm. I think while it might be fine for a uh, a white comic in Sri Lanka to swear yes. and talk about sex or whatever it is, it would be a, po- a different thing where you go, oh, he's one of us, and he's talking about. You know, jizz and spoof or whatever. <laughs> I mean, I didn't mean to narrow down my entire act down to jizz and spoof, uh, which is excellent. I think about it, it's the same thing. Uh, but um, but yeah, I, it'll ha- a lot of it would have to change. You know, there's 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 bits that I'm sort of riding along the way when I'm mm-hmm. like, especially with my brother. When my brother and I muck around, my brother is someone I always say is funnier than I am. He just never had the insecurities to want to let other people know about it. Whereas I do. I want people to love me, and. Um, He's whenever we muck around, we'll stumble across a reference from school or whatever, mm. or from from our childhood. That is a funny idea, and we'd be like, "Oh, that'll only work in Sri Lanka." So you sort of write it down on the side, and if I ever do, when I do a show eventually, that might make it make the cut. The you know? Sri Lanka files are building. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The homecoming show, as my brother calls it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. So, uh, but but you know, uh, I definitely want to do it. I'm just really really scared because. Um, I reckon the show will be uh, um, the show will be 
I think it'll sell well, if I'm being honest. Yes. Like, I know for a fact that, like, at the very least, all my relatives and my <laughs> schoolmates and stuff will yeah. show up, for sure. Uh, but I kind of want them to come back the year later as yeah. well. So I want to go in there with a show that I know is solid enough that makes them want to come back. Yeah. Maybe what I think the solution to that would be to, rather than doing a solo show for the first time, to maybe do, like, a split bill. Because mm. um, there's a bunch of people that, take a lot of comics from like Malaysia and Singapore yes. and um, you know do shows in Sri Lanka now like the stand up shows but oh, there'll correct. be three of yeah, them yeah. so maybe if I can get, get in with like a lineup like that so where I get to you know test 20 yeah. minutes of material rather than 50 minutes so you know um, Nazim Hussain uh, of Legally Brown mm. he, uh, he he was actually in Sri Lanka uh, uh, middle of Jan he did a solo show right. and just had a corker like it was just amazing apparently that's like you know and it's a big event when you go there like he's he was quite excited to see how you know the big newspaper spreads and things like that because it's an exciting thing yeah. so you know uh, it would be cool to one day do a show but uh, I mean I definitely want to do it one day mm. but I'm not sure if I'm there yet you know only one way to find out, really. <laughs> well, based on everything that you've told me leading up to this deal, all it takes is I just have to do it. I just have to book it. I just yeah. have to arrange it. Yeah, but the stakes are, I feel like, are higher. <laughs> you know, like the the concept of me talking about, you know, not doing my first ever gig, you know, delaying that. This is the same thing, essentially, mm-hmm. you know, me not doing my first ever gig in Sri Lanka. Um but there, what all I had to lose was disappoint twenty people at an open mic night. <laughs> whereas, <laughs> whereas with this, it's like no, 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 no. My parents rep, and you know, yeah. my my whole school rep. Everything. There's a lot more riding on this one performance. At least in my head, it is. Yeah. You know, I could be wrong. I hope I'm wrong. Um, it should just be another gig. Yeah. But uh, but the truth is, I don't think it is. I think there's a lot more. People would, you know, be like, oh, you got to come see my cousin or whatever and yeah, bring friends along. And yep. I just feel like I owe all of them a good show, mm-hmm. <laughs> not just myself. So I really, if I, when I do go there, I do want to know that I have, uh, you know, a good show for Sri Lanka. Yeah. I hear mm-hmm. that. You, you're putting a lot of pressure on yourself in the midst of this. But oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I understand that. Yeah. Like, I, I did some shows in Malaysia last year, uh, Malaysia and Singapore, and even that had to change, you know? Yeah. So it's... You know, like I said, that idea of being five years into it for most people would be like, oh, he's been doing it for a while. But the reality is when you think of how big, like how deep this stand-up well is, it's actually such a small point. Like Mm. to be able to adapt to a different country and the context of the country, it it takes a lot more skill, which I don't think I have five years in. You know, yes. especially with the topics that I talk about sometimes, like in terms of like relationships or, um, you know, uh, even say more recently I've been talking about being a Sri Lankan in Australia that mm. kind of loses a lot of punch when you're not in Australia you've just swapped though a bunch of physical textbooks in your accounting ones mm. for a bunch of metaphorical textbooks anyway and mm. that you're, you're wanting to, to understand and study and oh, learn yeah. and, and apply and all that yeah. kind of stuff the difference being the accounting one wanted me to wanted, made me want to kill myself no uh, <laughs> no <laughs> Not really, no, no. But I was, I was, I was really down. Like uh, I can't, like it's such a first world problem, Gen Y thing to whinge about having a good paying <laughs> desk job, right? Yes. I'm, I'm fully aware of that. I'm just going, oh, this is not stimulating me creatively. No, I'm aware. <laughs> Give me the money so I can go home and hate myself more. Yeah, 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 kind of. But, but you know, we all have our version of 
bad times, mm. you know, and that was mine. Like, I'm lucky enough to say that's the worst I've ever been, was doing a job from 7.30 till 9 o'clock at night that didn't stimulate me creatively. Like, yeah. how lucky am I to be able to say that? Yes. Having said that, that is my rock bottom. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, you can only have perspective in terms... I mean, you can only compare your life to your own life. I mean, you sure, you can remove yourself and go, well... This is a privilege. Yes. You know, I'm lucky that I have this as a problem. But it still sucks at times, you know. Mm. And uh, you, um, I, I remember, like I said, you don't walk into the office and feel generally vomitish. Like, yeah. And I'm like, no one should necessarily do that. Like, you know, especially when I was, like I said, lucky enough not to worry about having a wife and kids. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or like your family. Like, it was just me. So I'm like, well, why am I putting through myself through this if I'm hating every moment of it yeah yeah there's a there's a lot going on in all that <laughs> what what are you going to achieve in the next 12 months oh wow that's uh i i honestly don't know i've never really made a a plan i'm from day one my approach has always been just work as hard as you can on that day yes you know um so you know whether it was trying to find time to ride or like to, to be honest i'm not a good rider like i don't spend enough time riding mm-hmm. that's not my strength it's not something that i really enjoy the thing i do enjoy is performing mm-hmm. so whether it's um you know 400 people at the comics lounge in north melbourne yeah. or like five people at a backpackers you know i try and get out there as much as possible because that's where i um that's what I enjoy the most, and that's where I learn the most as well. Sure. So if it's like a small room or whatever, I try my best to do something new there, challenge myself to, you know, uh, push myself. Like I write mm. a little, like, you know, on. Not, uh, it sounds weird to say I write on stage because that's not entirely true. I have a lot of ideas that I might jot down in a notebook, but then I take those, you know, bullet points to stage and flesh it out there yeah. as much as possible. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I think in terms of the next 12 months, it'll... It's hard to say, man. Like, I really want to... Well, you've uh, got to show that you have to deliver at the very least. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've got... I want to do, uh, you know, the, a good comedy festival show. I, I mean, I'm starting Perth. Uh, well, when this comes out, I would have just started tonight, if it mm-hmm. comes out on a Wednesday. Uh, so if I'll be there in Perth from the 17th to the 21st. There you go, quick plug. Uh, and uh, I will be in Melbourne for the for a whole 22-night run, you know? Wow. And... Um, yeah, obviously I want to deliver a kick-ass show. I want to do a show that's good enough that makes people want to come back again. That's my whole yeah. thing is just going almost always playing for the next gig. Like as much as you want this one to go well. Like like while I'm here in Brisbane, this is the first time I'm doing the Brisbane run, mm-hmm. my whole motivation is to do a good enough job that I get called back. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah. You, just, you just, that's all I'm playing for is just the next gig. So whether it's festivals as well, I want to... I know people will might will come, and I want to make sure they come back. Yeah. You know, I want to create that idea of you know what's the I heard multiple people talk about this recently. The idea of a thousand true fans. Mm-hmm. You know, you just want you just need a thousand true fans to build a, a yeah. strong career and something. So, just want to be able to build that. You know, so that uh, in that to do that, I, I think you know if nothing else. Okay, in the next twelve months, here it is. I'm putting it out there, so I stick to it. I need to get a fucking website. I, <laughs> It's been five years. It's been five years, and I keep delaying it for some blood. Like, I started the process somewhere around the end of 2013 where I registered, my, like, a, a domain name, and, yeah. and somehow I went on to WordPress, and I fucked it up, and it had, like, all kinds of 
different like www.jurukjaisinger.com uh, and www.jurukjaisinger1. And I was like, oh, it's just getting too hard. I don't know what's happening. And I just kind of just let it go. And now it's been, what, two years? <laughs> and I still haven't got it done. <laughs> so, so there you go. If I want to achieve what I want to achieve in the next 12 months is I want to get a website. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, by your admission yeah. earlier, that definitely means that you're a full-time comedian then, Dill. Yeah. As soon as you get a website. Yes, yes. Well, that's all it takes, isn't it? You just need a website with a nice press shot and uh, a Facebook fan page, and you're a comedian. <laughs> it's interesting. I've never figured out what the answer to that is. When are you a comedian? Because I understand that you know, there's, there are those people that fake it, just want to you know, yes. be seen as a comic than yeah, be a yeah, comic. Yeah. Uh, whereas for me, I kind of... You know, as wanky as it sounds, it was that first gig that I felt like everything just fell into place right yeah. away. So, you know, I've, I've never really said that out loud, which because it sounds so wanky to say, oh, I did one gig and I was felt I knew I was a comic. But I don't know, it worked for me. I felt like that that's all it took was just that one taste of it to know this is all I want to do and then committed everything to that. And maybe that's it. Maybe that's all it takes is for the person to go, mm. yeah, no, I'm, I'm a comedian, this is happening. Yeah. Yeah, because also people say that, you know, you shouldn't necessarily call yourself a comedian until you're earning money from it, which is, there's, a, there's truth to that, but there, I do, I always think about the idea of, you know, if you, or, or, you know, open a shop where you sell meat, mm-hmm. like in the first few months or years, you, you're probably going to run at a loss because you're trying to cover all the other, you know, expenses that you had at the top. Yes. But just because you're running at a loss doesn't mean that you're not a butcher. Do you know yeah, what I mean you're still selling yeah. meat? Like that—that's what you do, you know. And the same thing with the idea of if you're an artist and you drew a picture, just because you don't sell the picture doesn't mean the art doesn't exist. Doesn't mean that you're not an artist. Mm. So I always find that weird when people say that the money factor is what defines you as whether you're a comic or not. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, like I know it's a job, and I know that's a profession, and money needs to come in before you can refer to it, but. The art exists. The the commitment exists. The the drive is there. So, yep. you know, are you not allowed to call yourself a comedian until you get that first paid gig? Or I don't know, maybe. If being paid for it is all it takes, Dill, then technically I'm a sex worker. <laughs> <laughs> I do not even want to know when <laughs> this happened. Actually, no. What? Let's tell me. When did you get paid for sex? Oh, uh, it was indirect. A girl what do you mean? Me, a girl cooked me a meal. Right. It was a long time ago. <laughs> Not now, gosh. I've wife and kids, they wouldn't yeah. want to hear about that. <laughs> but I do. What was the meal? <laughs> That's a whole other podcast still. Uh, thank you for no worries, for speaking mate. with me today. Oh, thanks, man. Sorry if it got very indulgent. No, it, it's excellent. We want to know about you and yep. then people are interested in who you are. They don't want to care what me and my sex worker fantasies. They want to know about <laughs> Dill and what he's doing and, and how he's got here. So uh, I want to say thank you for what you've shared. It's very special and, and you're you, highly man. valued, man. Thank you for... Oh, thank you so much for, for asking me to be on it. I'm really excited to have done it. Um, yeah, I, I hope it wasn't, yeah, to, to involve it. Maybe something people can get out of it. I, I know that people will enjoy it, if for no other reason than to bring it up on the next podcast that you appear on. Yeah. And just go, oh, my God, he didn't shut up about himself. <laughs>
Oh, very clearly, you're on Twitter. Yes. Are there any other social accounts you want to admit yep. to? Yep, so Twitter is at Dilruk J, same as Instagram. I'm Dilruk J on that. Mm-hmm. On Facebook, I'm facebook.com slash Dilruk J Comedian. Mm-hmm. You'd know this. Is there a way for me to go back to Dilruk J? Because I think it was someone had yes. set it up for me uh, in the past, a Dilruk J thing, and I, I was like, ju- I didn't want that. I didn't want them to have access to it. Contact Facebook. And just say, hey, you know, make I it I want to change my, my page name. Just to... As long as you're not changing it to someone else's name, like it's still you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. think that's kosher. Yeah, yeah, just... Because Dilruk J was taken for some reason. So I just want to go, fuck that, this is mine. Anyway, so that's, that's Dilruk J Comedian. Uh, and hopefully my website. <laughs> <laughs> Which could be anything.com. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Correct, correct. Actually, thanks to the Dum Dum Club uh, podcast, uh, the nickname that I gave myself on that podcast was Disgusting Fat Fuck. And uh, one of the fans... <laughs> had set up disgustingfatfuck.com which goes directly to my Twitter account <laughs> which is just great but uh, no um, and also just a quick couple of things like I said I'm uh, doing this uh, Sri Lanka show at the Melbourne Comedy yes. Festival from March 24th to the 17th of April and before that uh, when you're hearing this this week I'm in Perth uh, from the 17th to the 21st uh, doing Sri Lanka at 8pm 8, 8 at the place on Parker Street, just across the the garden of whatever it's called, Pleasure Garden. Something. Yeah. yeah, Garden of things. This has been Humans of Twitter, and I can confirm that at Dilrook J is indeed human.